Hey, I'm super glad to be here. Um, how many of you guys were at the last bonfire we did? How many of you, this is your first bonfire to attend to? Fantastic. I don't know if they told you about the ritual for first timers, but there's a little bit of an initiation ceremony afterwards. It has something to do with hot coals and bare feet. Yep. Don't worry, you're in good, yeah. You'll be fine, it'll be okay. You heard me? Uh, yeah. Now I'm just playing. Uh, but I'm super glad to be here with you guys tonight. And listen, you are not here by accident. You are not here because there's nowhere else to be. I believe that God wants to speak to each of us tonight, myself included. And so, um, I want to encourage you guys to, to just be open to what the Lord has for you. Um, I'm going to pray one more time just because that's what I got to do. God, <laughs> we surrender tonight to you. And God, I'm asking for your help. God, I'm asking that you would engrave your word on our hearts tonight. Father, that you would convict me tonight. God, that you would do a new thing tonight. Speak, God. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, can we talk about cauliflower pizza for a minute? How many of you have ever had cauliflower pizza? Let me see your hand. Okay? That's like a cauliflower pizza. I'm glad you asked. This is what cauliflower pizza is. So the other day, I go to pick up my friend, because we're going to go somewhere, and she gets in the car with her dinner, and I'm like, oh, what do you have for dinner? She's like, oh, cauliflower pizza. I said, cauliflower pizza, get out of here. Okay. A, it smelled disgusting. B, it looked disgusting. And C, I'm tired of all the cauliflower-eating people turning everything into cauliflower. They do this with rice, you know. They call it collie rice. So it's like healthier. So that instead of eating rice and like carbs and grains or whatever rice is, they make rice out of cauliflower and they shred it like rice and they call it cauliflower rice. But guess what? It's still cauliflower. You can call it rice all day long. They got cauliflower pizza. They got cauliflower rice. It's just a matter of time before they have cauliflower ice cream. So here's my point. If someone has a flashlight, that would be super handy because I'm uh, fading quickly here in the dark. And if not, okay, we'll just roll with it. So here's the point. Just because you throw a tomato paste and mozzarella cheese on it does not make it pizza. It's fake, right? If I gave you a, a loaf of bread and squirted some sweet cream into it, that wouldn't make it a Twinkie, right? Because it's not the real deal. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever had great value Oreos, they're not Oreos. They're just like great value sandwich cookies. It's not the real deal. And that's what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about the real deal. Here's the definition for imitation. The assumption of behavior observed in other individuals. Just because you slap tomato paste and mozzarella on it does not make it a pizza. Stop taking crap and making our cauliflower. I'm just saying. Here's the definition for identity. Because while it's funny and I'm knocking collie rice and cauliflower pizza and collie crap, whatever your flavor is, you and I are a lot like cauliflower in that way. Because here's the thing. Most of us in this place tonight bear the name of Christian. We, we call ourselves a Christian, and, and we might act that way on Wednesdays at small group, 
We might act that way on Saturday nights, at bonfire night, but Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday, it's a different story. You're an imitation. Here's the definition of identity. Sameness in all that constitutes the objective reality of a thing. Translation, oneness. Identity is oneness. Just because you attend small group on Wednesday night or wear the label of Christian doesn't make you a Christian. The literal definition of Christian is this, little Christ. Here's my question for us tonight, for you and myself. Do we look like Jesus? I'm not talking, do you wear Jesus sandals and you got the long brown hair? But do you look like Jesus? Does your life look like Jesus? It says this in Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Do you and I look like Jesus? No, we don't. And you know why? Because you and I care more about others seeing us than seeing Jesus in us. You're the selfie generation. It's all about you. You, yourself, and I. It's all about how many followers you have on social media, how many likes you get, how many comments you get. There's actual apps to help you get more followers on Instagram. That's stupid. That's stupid. Because do you want people to follow you or do you want people to follow the Jesus in you? Do you look like Jesus? If the only thing that people see when they see how you live your life is you, you don't look like Jesus. Jesus is incredibly attractive. Have you ever met someone? I I reckon to say this is like Mr. Owens. Where there's just something about him. You know? Like you're kind of drawn to them and there's something unique about them. And it's not necessarily that they have purple hair or nor hair or they wear dorky shoes or they wear cool shoes but it's how they live their life it's how they act there's something about them and you're drawn to them right so you sit there and say man i wonder what's up with that cat mr owens he sure is nice every day man i I wonder why mr owens never has a bad day at school mr owens looks like jesus You know why? Because at the start of every day and in the middle of every day and at the end of every day, his one prayer is this. God, let people see you in me. It's not about him. It's just not about him. And that's what it means to look like Jesus. When you spend your life trying to get others to look at you, you don't look like Jesus. Number two question is this. Do you sound like Jesus? Do you sound like Jesus? It says this in Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Do you sound like Jesus? When you've got cuss words flying out of your mouth, 
when you're being a punk with your words, the Bible says that we're to use our words to build each other up. And you know what? Believe it or not, centuries ago, I was once your age. It's brutal. Y'all are making fun of each other. You're changing your friendships every day. You're changing your boyfriends and your girlfriends every day. You're talking smack. You're not only disrespecting your peers, you're disrespecting your teachers, you're disrespecting your parents, you're gossiping, you're cussing, you're talking about crap that you have no business talking about. And when that's true for you and I, we do not sound like Jesus. We're fake. (laughs) Like cauliflower pizza. Fake. Do you look like Jesus? Do you sound like Jesus? Do you smell like Jesus? Yeah, I said smell like Jesus. I know being middle schoolers, you probably don't smell like Jesus. You probably smell like sunshine and roses. Sarcasm. Any awkward chuckles? Okay, we're moving on. Do you smell like Jesus? Here's what it says. (laughs) Y'all are killing me tonight, man. You can help a friend out. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I love this verse. Chapter 2, verse 14. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Translation, God leads you and I in victory so that we can spread the sweet-smelling fragrance of Jesus everywhere. Your crap stinks. And my crap stinks. Your sin, my sin is a disease and more often than not you and I walk around smelling like vomit how do I know because the Bible says it Proverbs 26 11 says this like the fool like the dog who returns to its own vomit is the fool who repeats his folly like the dog who returns to his own vomit is the fool who repeats his folly What that means is this, when you keep returning again and again and again to the same sin again and again and again, you are like a dog returning to its own pile of vomit. Do you know why dogs return to their vomit? Because they smell the food and they're literally trying to fill a hunger from their vomit. It's disgusting. Really glad we're having this conversation after some killer hot dogs and brownies tonight. (laughs) But it's disgusting. But that's how sin is. And instead of you and I smelling like Jesus and spreading the sweet fragrance of who Jesus is and how beautiful he is and how awesome he is, we're walking around reeking like vomit because we're playing with sin instead of waging war against sin. You and I are supposed to have victory over sin. We weren't created to deal with the same habits and hang-ups. You were created to be an addict. You were created to live free and to walk victoriously. Like a dog who returns to its own vomit is the fool who repeats his folly. Do you look like Jesus? Do you sound like Jesus? Do you smell like Jesus? You know, we treat our walk with God like a game. I've got one of my favorite games over here. It's called Kerfuffle, and it's basically got a ton of dice. And as I was praying and preparing for this weekend, this is the first thing the Lord spoke. He said, Tara, my people treat their walk with me like a game. 
And here's what I mean by that. We're always hoping the odds are in our favor, right? Hey, God, bless me. Hey, God, hook me up. Hey, God, don't forget about me. But as soon as God is looking for one person to stand up and do the right thing, we're like, oh, I didn't hear nothing. Oh, he must have meant them. Oh, that's for you to do. As soon as God is looking for someone to stand up and be a light, we're like, oh, snap. You know, God, this week's really not a good week. You know, I just broke up with my boyfriend. I'm kind of bummed about that. Maybe you could hit up someone else. We treat our walk with God like a game. We want to be in control of how the pieces are played. We want to set things up, and we want to be boss, and we want to determine how our life plays out. And we make up the rules as we go, don't we? The Bible is one giant rule book. But instead of abiding by that, instead of submitting to that and surrendering to that, this is what you and I do. We pick and choose the verses that we like and we leave the others. So when God says, honor your mother and father, this is what we say. Hold up. You don't know who my parents are. No thanks. I'm out. Deuces. That's cool for you. That doesn't work for me. But the verses that talk about God blessing us and God rescuing us and God forgiving us and God saving us, oh, we're all about that, aren't we? But when God says be kind to those who punk you out, we're like, no thanks. When God says forgive those who do you wrong and forgive if they never even ask to be forgiven, we turn a blind eye. We treat it like a game. We demand our own way like spoiled little brats. I'm going to go to Luke chapter 15 tonight. It's one of my favorite stories. It's a story of the prodigal son. We're going to break up in verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, and he took a journey into a faraway country. And there he squandered his property in reckless lying and reckless living, excuse me. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while... He was still a long way off. His father saw him and felt compassion. He ran and embraced and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. 
For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. And they began to celebrate. Translation, man had two sons. One son went up to his dad and said, Dad, give me my inheritance. Now back in Bible times, when you said that, basically what the son was saying to his father was, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead. Give me what's mine. The father gave him his inheritance. And it says he went into a faraway place and he squandered everything, which means he wasted everything. He lived foolishly. He spent everything he had. Then there was a great famine, meaning there was no food, no water. Everyone was in need. And that son lost everything. He went from hero to zero like that because of reckless living, foolish living. And he was desperate. So he went and he applied for a job. And not just any job, but a job feeding pigs. And he was so hungry, he ate the pods of pigs. Pigs don't eat nice food. At my job, when we clean out the fridge and the freezer, and, and there's mold and, and just bad food, there's a lady we call. Because she wants it. She used to dig in our dumpster, but now she gave us her phone number, and it's real easy. We make it easy for her. And we just call her and we say, hey, Rosie, we're cleaning out the freezer today. And she comes by and she picks it up. You know why she picks it up? Because she takes that crap home and she feeds it to her pigs. The son who demanded the inheritance was eating the same crap that pigs eat because he was desperate. Hero to zero like that. He squandered everything. And then one day he came to his senses. He said, you know what? My father's servants live better than this. I don't have to be a son. I realize the damage I've done, the wrong thing I've done. At least I can go back and I can be a servant to my father. So he goes back. My favorite part of the story, it says that while he was a long way off, the father saw him. See, the father knew that he would be back. And that's a picture for you and I. Because you and I are no different than that prodigal son. We're no different. God gives us this incredible blessing called life. He gives us gifts. You guys are richer than 80% of the entire world. And we squander it all the time. Myself included. We, we squander it by not counting our blessings. Instead of saying, God, thank you for what you've given me. We talk about what he hasn't done. Instead of believing God for the more we sit there and accuse and attack God and say, why haven't you done this thing? And we squander it. And when you and I choose to live our lives by our own set of rules over here playing a game with our walk, oh, God, bless me. Let the odds be in my favor. We're basically telling God, I wish you were dead because I can do a better job. I'm the God of my own universe. Harsh words, I know. And none of us would actually say that with our mouths, but we say that every day by the way in which we live. Incredibly selfish, prideful, full of sin. Like dogs returning to vomit. 
the whole while shaking our angry fists at God as if he owes us an explanation or anything else, yet refusing to acknowledge what he's given us. Everything. Everything. When the prodigal son lost sight of who the father was, he lost appreciation for his father, he lost respect for his father. When he lost understanding of who the father was, he lost completely who he was. You and I were made in the image of God. Not the image of porpoises or kangaroos. Not in the image of a tree. But made in the actual likeness of God. And some of you in middle school, you're trying to figure out who you are. And so every day you're just following the, the crowd. You're doing whatever someone tells you to. Whoever you think is cool, whoever you think is boss, whoever you're following, you're doing whatever they say to do. And so every day you look different and you're confused. And you know that deep down inside that there's got to be more. But you're confused because you don't know who God is. And you don't know who God is because you refuse to get in your word every day. And you say, oh man, I hope Mr. Owens brings a good word this Wednesday. I sure am discouraged. You don't take responsibility for yourself. You don't spend time getting to know God. You'll figure out how to beat level 32 of whatever video game you're playing, but you won't figure out what God is asking you to do with your life. And that's why you have zero clue who you are. That's why you struggle with being fake. Because when you come to bonfire night, there's a longing deep in your heart. You want to keep worshiping. You, you want to keep serving. You want to keep growing and knowing who the Lord is. But you're too distracted by the ones around you. I watched it tonight. You kept looking at each other. As though the person next to you could actually save your life. As though they have any clue about your life or how to help you out of your mess. When you don't understand who the Father is, you have no clue who you are because you and I were made in the image of God. And if we don't know who God is, we will never know the true identity of who you are, who we are. We were created to be conquerors, victorious through Christ Jesus, to be overcomers, to walk in freedom and victory, to be people that are quick to forgive, slow to speak, slow to anger. We were created to move mountains, to do the impossible, because that's who our God is. But we're squandering it all. We're just throwing it all away. We're just saying, whatever, God. I'll get to that next week. I'll get, you know what, God? I'll get to know you when I'm in heaven. I've got the final seal of approval. I'm good to go. I'm just going to spend my life the way I want to spend it. And then once I get to heaven, we'll catch up. Sound good? Great. And then meanwhile, your life spins out of control. And you have no idea who you are. Made in the image of God. Squandering the very thing that God has blessed you with. Not only for you, but for the sake of you. There are lives that hang in the balance. Every minute, two people die. And they will either spend forever and ever in heaven with Jesus Christ or they will be damned to hell, forever separated by God. But you and I, we don't care about that because it's all about us. I want people to see me. I want people to see how cool I am. Man, I want people to follow me. I want people to like or comment on my social media. I want to have ten best friends, not one. 
and lives are hanging in the balance and they're going to forever burn in hell. When I was a kid, I was scared of hell because of the flames. Oh no. It's not the flames we need to worry about. It's being eternally separated from the God who created us and knows us and loves us. And the Bible says that God's desire is that none would perish, but that all would come to believe and come to a saving knowledge in Christ Jesus. And as appetizing and as appealing as cauliflower pizza is, so is your life. Wearing the label of Christian, but living life how you want to live it. Playing a game. Oh, God bless me. It's me. Hey, haven't talked to you in weeks because I've been busy with my friends, but bless me, God. And it's a big game. And the entire time, lives are hanging in the balance. And everyone, every single human, will either go to heaven or go to hell. There's no in between. And the very thing that God has given you, your life, he wants to use it. That's why it matters that you look like Jesus and you sound like Jesus and you smell like Jesus. Because you have friends that aren't here tonight. And God forbid they die tonight and don't know Jesus They're going to go to hell. And that's on you. That's why it matters. Because you and I are squandering the very thing that God has given us. The prodigal son realized that all he ever wanted and all he ever needed was in the Father. Anything else outside of that would never satisfy. Some of you are so jacked up and busted and broken inside because your family's so crappy that you'll turn to guys or you'll turn to girls to get that affection. It will never work. Been there, done that. Been there, done that with drugs. Been there, done that with alcohol. And it never satisfies. The place you belong is with the Father. He created you to walk with you. I mean, it's not like God was lonely in heaven one day and like, oh, I think I'll create billions and billions of people and have a bunch of little minions. It'll be like my puppets on a string, like, la, 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 la. I mean, he created you because he wanted you. And he wanted me, and there's no one else like you. There's no one else that has the same set of fingerprints that you have. That DNA code that's on the inside of your body that's like miles and miles long, there's no one else that has the exact same DNA code as you. And it's not because God has some super mega complex DNA code machine. He's just like, another human print. (laughs) And it happens. Like he created you with his hands. And every part about you he fashioned with his hands. Because he loves you and he loves me. But we don't give him the time of day. We squander it all. So here's my question tonight. When will you and I stop playing games? When will we stop wearing the masks? Why do we have to have bonfire nights to wake you guys up to the reality of Jesus? When will you decide what your life is going to be about? Because if you wait until tomorrow to decide what your life is going to be about, then you're wasting time. When will you realize that the pod of pigs will never satisfy? 
When will you understand that sin is disgusting and it's a cancer and, and it's killing you? Do you look like Jesus? Do you sound like Jesus? Do you smell like Jesus? You guys know the story of the cross. I never get tired talking about the cross. It was ugly. It was ugly. The cross was never meant to be be dazzled and hang on the wall and be pretty. It was an instrument of torture. It was reserved for the worst criminals. And Jesus never once sinned. Never told a half-truth, never lied. Never took anything that didn't belong to him. Never once disrespected or dishonored his parents. Never once said a cuss word or cheated on his homework. A perfect, sinless life. See, God had a plan when he created the garden. He created you and I. There was perfect fellowship. And then we jacked it up. Adam and Eve, there was one rule. Don't mess with the tree in the middle. And what did they do? mess with the tree in the middle think about it a perfect beautiful garden Adam and Eve got robbed of an entire garden because they messed with one tree and you and I we're the ones getting pumped we're the ones getting robbed because God says don't do this and so we test the limits a little bit and we're like oh I'm gonna mess with that because guess what God's gonna forgive me I've got this whole church thing down and we do that time and time again And then your families and your friends, they're watching you. Because they know that you're here tonight. And they know that you go on Wednesday nights and go to the pancake barn, hang out with Mr. Owens. And then you go home and you start fronting and you start faking. And you put on a mask. And instead of being loved with skin on it, instead of being like Jesus, you go home and play games. And you disrespect your parents, you dishonor your parents, you cuss, you fight. You hold unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment in your heart towards people that have wronged you. And God is saying enough. Enough. He says one and only perfect son. He's God. He could have done anything. He could have taken his giant thumb and he could have squished the earth underneath of it and said, forget it. I'm done with these humans. But he said, oh no. I've got a better plan. And I'm going to send my one and only son, Jesus. And Jesus lived a perfect life. Always kind. Always loving. Always extending grace. Always believing in the best in people. Always cheering people on. The lepers who were really sick, they had to live outside of the city gate. And anytime anyone from town came near, they had to yell, Unclean! Unclean! Can you imagine if we had to do that because of our sin? You know, like what if before worship we had to yell, unclean, unclean. But we don't because God already knows that. And he sees us and he loves us and he says, child, I want to take that from you and I want to restore you. I want to cleanse you. I want to forgive you. I want to give you a new heart. But he can't do that. Not because he's incapable, but because you and I play games. And we determine how things are going to play out. And God is saying tonight, we're done. 
you're done. You're done playing games. It's time for you to grow up and be men and women of God. It's time for you to start looking like Jesus and sounding like Jesus and smelling like Jesus and stop playing games. They pulled the literal hair out of the beard of Jesus. They spat on him. They mocked him. They not only made a crown of thorns, but they pushed that crown of thorns down into his head. And your head is one of the most, it's got the most capillaries in your body. So there's like translation, lots of blood vessels, and it doesn't take much to bleed up there. And so when they pushed the crown of thorns down on his head, blood ran down. And he carried a really, really heavy big cross. And don't think for one minute that they sanded that wood before Jesus carried it. Oh, I guarantee you he got lots of splinters. He, he carried that. And that was my cross to carry. That was your cross to carry. And the very people who Jesus fed and who Jesus blessed and who Jesus healed and who Jesus restored and redeemed and gave clothes to and gave food to and gave them an encouraging word when they were discouraged and gave them a hug when nobody else would touch them. Those same people crucified Christ. And before you and I are quick to throw shade on them, that's you and I. We're no different. Because we're all about Jesus when it's convenient for us. As long as we're in control, as long as we get to set the pace and set the rules, we're okay with it. And tonight Jesus is saying, enough. Are you done? Are you done playing games? Jesus is asking, do you really think I endured the cross so that you could play around with sin? No. Do you really think I endured the shame of the cross so that you could walk around puffed up and full of pride because you got 50 new followers overnight? It's crap. Your crap stinks. And it's as good as cauliflower pizza, which I think is frankly absolutely disgusting and fake. God didn't create you to be fake or to wear a mask. He created you to look like Jesus. He created you to sound like Jesus. He created you to smell like Jesus. Because there is a world that's dying. And every day, two, every minute, two people die. And they will either go to heaven or they will go to hell. Where it's a whole lot hotter than it is tonight. And it is pretty darn hot tonight. Jesus came and endured the cross because it wasn't a game to him. You were worth it. I was worth it. I'm no different than you. I've got my favorite sins. I've got my game I can play. I've got the things that I like that God says. And I've got my things I like that I don't like. And I'm going to keep it real with you guys. I have recently told God that I know better than he knows. That he's got it all wrong. That somehow along the way, he jacked things up. And frankly, I'm pissed about it. You know what God's response has been to me? Tara, I love you. I love you, Tara. Let's talk about it. Come here. I love you. Tara, I love you. I love you, Tara. And he looks at every single one of you tonight and he says, man, I love you. I love you. 
You're missing it. You can't even see me. You can't even hear me because you're so full of yourself and focused on everyone else around you. But I love you. I love you. I love you. But you and I have a choice tonight. And the power of a choice is just that. That you get to choose. You get to choose how this plays out. The prodigal son came to his senses. He said, I no longer deserve to be a son, but at least maybe I can be a hired servant. I'll go back and I'll work for my dad. But while he was a long way off, his father was watching. And when he got home, his father said, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. Bring the fattened calf. We're going to celebrate. There was zero shame. There was zero condemnation. There was zero judgment. And that's the incredible mystery about who God the Father is. Because he sees our crap and he sees our sin. And he looks at us and he says, man, I love you. I love you. Hey, Tara, I love you. Hello. Love you. And we sing that reckless song, reckless love song all the time. Because it's true. He loves you. And he'll do whatever it takes to get your attention. You can play games the rest of your life. But in the end, only one way works, and that's the way of Jesus Christ. And that's being real. The Bible says that when one sinner repents, all of heaven has a party. Just like that story. Like with real pizza, not cauliflower pizza, man. Like angels are rejoicing. And God the Father's like, man, my child is home. And then the beauty is when, when you come home and you surrender your life to Jesus and you make things right and you repent and you say, God, I'm so sorry. I don't want to go back to that pile of vomit again. Then God transforms you from the inside out and he gives you a new heart. And then you start looking like Jesus and you start sounding like Jesus and you start smelling like Jesus. And then, man, the next bonfire, there's like 60 cats here because everyone's like, man, what's up with that middle school group, man? They're all different. I want what they have. And then you get to tell them, oh, his name is Jesus. Let me tell you. Remember how I used to cuss all the time back in the day? Well, there's this guy named Jesus, and he totally saved me. And he wants to save you. Every minute, two people die. They will either spend forever and ever in heaven with Jesus Christ, and they will be forever damned to eternity in hell, forever separated from God. And your life matters. Your story matters. You can keep playing games, but it's as good as trash. God wants the real you. The world needs the real you. How will you respond? God, thank you for your love for me and for these students. God, thank you that you see Tara and all of her crap. God, one of the worst reckless sinners full of pride and selfishness and sin. But God, that doesn't scare you. That doesn't keep you from loving me, but instead you've been yelling throughout all of eternity my entire life. Tara, I love you. I love you. I love you. And you do the same for every person here tonight. So God, I'm asking that you would move tonight. 
that those who have never accepted you as their personal Lord and Savior, that those who have never given you total control and surrender of their lives would kneel before you tonight and surrender and, and declare that you alone are God and boss and Lord and supreme. And God, that they would find salvation in you tonight, that you would rescue them from their pit of muck and mire. God, for those who have made that decision, but have fallen off the beaten path, who have taken the very thing that you've given them and ran far, far away and squandered it all tonight. Father, I pray that they would return to you tonight in humility and repentance before you tonight, God. God, I'm asking, I'm begging that you would make sin disgusting to us, God. That you would make sin like vomit to us, God. That we would lay it down. God, that we would give up control. That we would surrender to you tonight. God, that we would stop playing games. We invite you into this place tonight to move. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what we're going to do. If you have never, salvation is a one-time thing. You don't have to keep asking God to save you. You know what I'm saying? He's big enough for the one-time thing. 